Hey, this is Isaiah Kiner-Fleffa, and this is Rangers Nation Podcast. This is Joey Gallo with the Texas Rangers, and you're listening to the Ranger Nation Podcast. Welcome to Rangers Nation Podcast, talking all things Texas Rangers. Rangers Nation Podcast is a part of Dallas Sports Nation, providing coverage of all your DFW sports teams. Now, here's your host, Texas Rangers blogger, the Recliner Nerd. Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to Rangers Nation's podcast. I am your host, the Recliner Nerd, and today's episode is Life in the Big Leagues. Yeah, we have special guests. We got Jeff Fry, Benji Gill, and Texas Ranger Hall of Famer, Rusty Greer. They're going to join us, and they're going to talk about what life was like when they were in the big leagues, and they are going to make us very jealous for anyone that ever played ball or dreamed of being in the big leagues. Yep, we're going to do life in the big leagues, and we'll do all of that right after this. This is Elvis Andrew of the Texas Ranger, and you're listening to the Rangers Nation podcast. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Rangers Nation's podcast. Today's episode is Life in the Big Leagues. Yep, it's Life in the Big Leagues. It's a former Ranger roundtable. We've talked about this. We were going to go live out in there before COVID came around at Texas Live, and uh, we had a few guys, uh, these three, that had had semi-confirmed they were going to try to do this, and now we're at home, so we decided we'd do this virtually. Um, And so we're going to do it now through virtual. We're going to do this thing, and I got three people with me, first of all, First guy you know, the Shigan hitting guru. Everyone knows that one. He's been nine years in the big leagues with the Rangers, Red Sox, and Blue Jays and Rockies. He's a career 290 hitter, and his claim to fame is that apparently he got Rusty Greer called up to the major leagues. Welcome now with me, Jeff Fry. What's going on, bud? Hey, how you doing, buddy? It is a fact, too. If you want me to tell that story, I will. <laughs> we're going to talk about that. Also, you, we, <laughs> also, with us, we got – First round draft pick, 19th overall, 1991. Eight years in the big leagues with the Texas Rangers and the Angels. And now the manager, and I'm going to try to say this. I don't think I can say it. You said it that day, Benji. It's, it's Benji Gill with T- Tomateros Days. How do you say that? The Kulikot. Just say where Chapo's from. Chapo's from. Where Chapo's from. He's currently the manager. You know, I got to tell you, it's Benji Gill. Benji, thanks for coming back. My pleasure. My pleasure. It's good to be here. Let me ask this. So I know that major leagues thinking about trying to get started right now. Where are y'all in in the Mexican league? Uh, Um, We're basically just waiting for uh, whatever happens uh, in the big leagues will be a trickle down effect to see what happens in winter ball. And just like the minor leagues and, 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 and winter ball and summer league in Mexico as well. So. Okay. um, Yeah. I I didn't know. Anxiously waiting. I can imagine. And then we got Texas Ranger hall of famer. He was nine years in the big leagues with the Texas Rangers, 10th round draft pick out of the University of Montevallo. How do you say that? Montevallo. Montevallo. We've talked about that before. Career 305 hitter. Of course, welcome first time with this group with me. It's Rusty Greer. Rusty, what's going on, sir? How's everybody? I'm glad to be here. (laughs) Thanks for coming on. Okay, now we're going to – here's what I want to do. So, for someone like me that played a little ball and never quite had the talent to go above two days in college – I want y'all to make me jealous. So I decided I would – I thought I might try to open this up with the Ranger fans and see if they want to ask questions. And I thought, you know, I'm going to be selfish. I want to ask questions what it would have been like when I was in the big leagues, if I was in the big leagues, what life was like for y'all. But before we get to that, I'm going to ask a couple of questions before we start our baseball rundown. Which one of you three is the best golfer? Angie. Jeff. I will excuse myself from that question because I'm not going to – Jeff, unless we're betting. Rusty's allergic to golf. <laughs> you don't play at all, Greer? Not at all. Not at all? Okay, so which I, one I, of, I, know the, I know the worst golfer is. I can tell you that. 
Who's that? And, and, and I'll tell you me. what. His, That's you? Well, he me. The, hey, I'm in this conversation. I, I, might, I might challenge you for that. And he has the, the prettiest baseball swing that looked most like a golfer. <laughs> well, the hitting guru can tell you. Can you break down Rusty's swing? Was that the way it was supposed to happen there, Fry? Yeah. He, he, uh, Rusty was a diver. A diver. He off and play and go in. And if you wanted to get Rusty out, you had to pitch him inside. And guys can't consistently pitch inside. So he hit 305. There you go. Did he supinate enough? Yeah, he had this. He snapped it. He was snapping it all over the yard. <laughs> okay, so which one of you three has the best barbecues or crawfish boils? Now, Fry, you brag about yours. I don't know about I barbecue. Can... I, I'm a crawfish aficionado. Aficionado? Yeah. I'll, I'll take the barbecue. I, I can, I'm good with brisket and ribs, and I'm good with that. Well, you're an Alabama guy, too, so that, you, I could, that might be some good barbecue there. Okay, yeah. so tell me about nicknames. Now, I had always heard of you, Rusty, as the Red Baron. They started calling you Rojo when we were on that test, that that text yesterday. Is that your official nickname, Rojo? Well, yeah, I, yeah, with the players, but uh, like uh, Mark Holtz, he he gave me the Red Baron. But uh, a guy named who's a catching instructor way back in the late '80s and early '90s with the Rangers, uh, Chino Katahia, he he started calling me Rojo, and so that just stuck amongst the coaches and the players and all that stuff. So that's where I got that name. All right, Frito, is that yours, Fry? Frito? It's uh, I've had a few. Uh, with the, when I was with the Rangers, it was uh, Weasel at first. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And then, then it was Fry Daddy. <laughs> it's always been Fry Daddy. And then when I went to um, to uh, Boston, Mike Stanley started calling me Frito. So Frito's kind of where I am now. Who knows what the next one is? She gone, maybe. All right, Benji, what's yours? Um, you know what? I, I – didn't really ever have one. Um, I don't know why. I mean, Benji's good enough, I guess, or 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 not. In Mexico, they call him Matador. Matador. Yeah. Okay. All right. So it's time to get into baseball. So now, now Jeff and and uh, Benji have already told me the story. We're gonna have them doing it again uh, in just a second. This would normally be on your. Uh, on your bio when I do that with you, Rusty, we'll talk about it again. But we're going to talk about – since we're going to talk all about big leagues today, I want to talk about the day you got called up. Benji, I know yours is a little different from theirs in the fact that – and I want you to tell that story. You weren't actually – you didn't get called up in the middle of the year. You weren't supposed to start the season there, and, and injury did that. And we'll talk about that. But, Jeff, you start – tell us about the day you got called up. Again? Yeah, yeah. This everybody's, is for new. This, this is new. I think everybody's tired of hearing this story. No, I don't no. care. I'm forcing uh, it. Uh, <laughs> Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll give you the Cliff Notes version, but uh, I was in Louisville, uh, AAA for Oklahoma City in 1992, um, playing the Louisville Cardinals, and uh, just a normal day, and um, you guys, Benji and Russ, you know, we used to take the phones off the hook in our rooms or get a do not disturb because we stayed up pretty late. We wanted to sleep in most mornings, um, so... This particular morning, the phone was on the hook, and all of a sudden it rang at 9 in the morning, which is usually pissed us off pretty bad getting woke up that early in the morning. And uh, I was rooming with a guy named Bobby Brower. You guys remember Bobby Brower? Yeah. yeah. And I, uh, I just picked up the phone because it was closest to my bed, and I, it was our manager, Tommy Thompson. And Tommy was you know, a character, to say the least. And he goes, hey, big boy. He goes, you're not going to the AAA All-Star game. You're going to another level. Come up to my room. 
And I didn't say anything. I just looked at Bobby Brower and he goes, you're going to the big leagues and you're not coming back either. So I was like, Oh my gosh. So I went up to Tommy's room. He said, I'm getting called to the big leagues. I had to go to, go to the stadium, get all my stuff. They called up me and uh, Brian Bohannon the same time. And we flew to Arlington or Dallas. And then uh, they picked us up, got to the field at, at uh, five thirty for a seven o'clock game. And um, BP was over at six, I think. And they said, do you want to hurry up and get out there for BP? And I was like, man, I don't, I don't think I have a chance to get out there. I'll try to make it for infield, which was at 610. And uh, they said, well, go check out the lineup. And I went over, to, looked at the little board we had, a little dry erase board with a lineup on there, and said I was leading off playing second, and Nolan Ryan was pitching for us. That's so awesome. It was like right into the fire. I took in the field <laughs> and, uh, you know, went out and had, you know, a great game, two for three, three runs scored, a triple RBI, player of the game. Um, and it was pretty much all downhill after that. <laughs> and, and, and all be all because of teacher man, right? He got you some. Oh yeah, yes, I was snapping it. In Super <laughs> I'm Day. sorry, I'm I shouldn't say that. I'm not supposed to be. <laughs> no, Benji, did. tell yours again. Now you you kind of got in a different story. It was an injury, right? You weren't even supposed to be in the big leagues that year. And... Yeah, I I got to spring training in '93, um, hoping because uh, I had played in Gastonia, uh, North Carolina in the in the South Atlantic League, which is our our low A ball. Um, the year before and I had a good year so I was hopeful that I would be able to have a good spring training and, and be able to make the double a club right. um, which is where Rusty was that year and we had a really good ball club that year um, and I, I was going to have to do really well because at the time Chris Cologne was shortstop I guess they were trying to turn him into a, a second baseman so it was it was going to be a pretty good jump for 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 me and uh, uh, Manny Lee didn't show up. Uh, he had visa problems, supposedly. And then, uh, so I got a little bit more playing time in, in spring training than, than I was supposed to. Stuck around a little bit longer. I was doing well. And then uh, he got there, and I think three or four days later, he uh, hurt his oblique. Um, they had already sent some guys down, and then it allowed for me to stay on. Uh, at the big league with the big league club for a little bit while a little while longer and I continued to do well and before you know it he wasn't ready to start the season and uh it was uh, I think between uh Mario Diaz and myself on who was going to play short um and and maybe I outplayed played him or maybe I was more of a better suited to play shortstop every day and uh, ended up making the ball club out, uh, out of spring training. So it was it was a huge surprise to me. Oh, yeah. So I, I can imagine, especially if, you're, if your thought was, man, I want to start in double-A. This would be awesome. And then you're yeah. in Arlington starting yeah. that year. Okay, Rusty, before Jeff Rod changed your whole life for you and uh, got you called <laughs> up <laughs> to the big leagues, tell us about how you found out about the call. You were going to the big leagues. Tell us what happened. Um, I was the last player cut um, in spring training in 94. So I actually came and played in the, in the um, scrimmage games or the, the inter-squad games between the Mets here. You and I talked about that. Yeah, at the ballpark. Um, yep. And so went to AAA was there. And I was, we were in New Orleans, and I had jumped into a wall trying to catch a ball, and I would really messed my ankle up, right? And so – but I didn't say nothing to anybody, and I taped it, and – Bobby Jones, who's a manager in Oklahoma City, um, DH'd me for three days. Well, uh, 
the third day I'm in the shower and he calls me in his office and I literally go hobbling in there and he said, there's a lot, this is long gone. I swear I'll make it short. He basically, the whole coaching staff was in there and he basically said, um, you're hurt, aren't you? And I'm like, no, I'm not. I can play. I can DH, you know, I'm I can run full speed. And he said, he talked on and he's just really, you got no Bobby Jones, but he was really just cussing me up one side down the other, basically. And all the coaches in there laughing at me. Right. And I started getting mad. And I, and I start calling him, like, what are you laughing at, man? You know, I, 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 we start getting into it. And he said, so you think you can play uh, – um, at the time I was playing right field, which we all know I'm not a right fielder, but I was playing right field. He said, you think you can play right field in the big leagues tomorrow? And I said, yeah, I can. And he said, uh, well, pack your, pack your stuff. You're going, you're going to the big leagues. All right. And so everybody, all the coaches start busting out laughing at me. And um, I told him, I said, you better not be effing kidding me. You know, yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> And so he said, I'm not. So anyways, I go to started in Oakland. Uh, I get to the ballpark and um, you know, I'm excited to be there. I hadn't slept all night. Darren Oliver is my roommate. Back then you had roommates. And um, so I get there to the ballpark. Jackie Moore is a bench coach. Kevin King is now Jackie Moore's bench coach. He came up and said, uh, congratulations, kid. He said, you ready to play? And I'm, you know, I said, what am I going to say? I said, yes, sir. And he said, good. You're hitting second playing right. And uh, my heart went in my throat. <laughs> uh, so anyways, uh, started the game. Kevin Kennedy never bunted my life. Um, Kevin Kennedy makes me punt my first at bat, and I don't get it down. So my next at bat, I, I wound up in a home run, my first hit. So I was uh, kind of like Jeff. I was, had three hits that game, had five RBIs, um, and kind of kept playing from there. So really, really good, really good night. That that that's incredible. I, in, in fact, I don't know if you remember this, Rusty. I know people come up and talk to you all the time, but a couple years ago, Kingsford Charcoal had this little yeah yeah. That, that's where I talked to. You. First time I'd ever laid eyes on Rusty, it was at that exhibition game uh, when they were playing before the season started in '94. They were opening the ballpark, and you came up. It was towards the end of the game. They were just let, they were running people in, and you first time I'd ever seen one hit on that green berm in center field. Yeah. Yeah. And then my next thought was who the hell is Rusty Gear Greer? Who is this guy? I didn't know who he was. And, you know, there was a lot of prospect stuff back then, but it's not like today where you practically know who they are because of all the online stuff. And yeah, so, you know, the funny thing is in that game, they played like 10 or 12 innings, right? Yeah. So like the sixth inning, all the starters are going, God, I'm ready to get out. Can I, you know, get down, get my three at bats? And me and like two other guys, we're just rushing to play this. <laughs> like, I'll take your AB. I'll go. I'm just thinking about taking your bats. Yeah. I remember that well. Okay, okay. so here's – obviously there's a big difference between the minor leagues and the major leagues, and we all know that. I want to know the first thing that you noticed that was the biggest difference when you first got to the big leagues. What was the first thing that you went, oh, wow, we're in a new thing here? Let's start with Rusty this time. Uh, ballpark. The ballpark. Being bigger. Yeah, being, just, being in Oakland, yeah, I guess. and yeah. Ballpark and fans, you know, just having a bunch of fans in the ballpark. What about you, Benji? I'll tell you what, the way you travel – Traveling was way, way different. I mean, it's uh, beyond first class to when you're in the minor leagues, it's just stack them and go. <laughs> Wait, for you, you went from the bus leagues, right? Because, I mean, Gastonia, that was that was the buses. Now, AAA, oh, yeah. back then, did AAA fly? Yeah. Yeah, and the, yeah, and the PCL, because it's it's actually way more, and, and not not to step in front of these guys, but, but the, the PCL is so spread out compared to the – international league that uh i don't in fact i don't even think there was a bus ride uh in the pcl at the time yeah the uh the international league plays all up there in the east out in the northeast there 
What about you, Fry? What was the first thing you noticed when you got to the big leagues, the big thing you noticed? You were like, holy cow. The speed of the game. The speed of the game was um, my first – the first time I went to turn a double play and the dude was about to – about to slide and I was like oh my gosh how did he get here so fast and uh <laughs> I mean and what Benji was saying um I actually you too Rusty I think it was American Association right when we yeah. got called up yeah, yeah so Oklahoma City was in the American Association and we did bus some uh but we mostly uh, took flights and they were pretty crappy you know 4 a.m nothing worse than the 4 a.m yeah bus picking you up at the hotel going away two hours at the airport layover. for for a yeah. layover flight <laughs> and then you, then you get to the field you get to the your hotel room about two and you're absolute zombie you got to take a nap <laughs> before you go to the field so it's a lot different travel for sure okay so i want to okay so we're, we're we're in the big leagues we're going to stay in the big leagues the whole time now so now i want each of you to take me on a 705, which was the normal, or I, back then it might have been some we did at 735, if I remember correctly. But uh, in either case, tell me on a, on a home game, take me through your entire day. Let's start with you, Benji. When you got up, what was your day like? You got up at a certain time, it, you were at home, you had a game that night in Arlington. How did your day go? Yeah, probably woke up uh, 11-ish, 11, 12, uh, go get a bite to eat. Back then, I don't even think we had video games. Uh, so it was get up, uh, <laughs> just kind of clean up, uh, go to go to the uh, go get something to eat, go to the ballpark, um, go work on on hitting, uh, go get some cuts in the cages, and uh, maybe work out a little bit, stretch out, depending if you had some kind of issue. Because early in the year, maybe not so much, but but especially playing in Texas, man. Uh, those late days in, in, in July and August, you, you, it doesn't matter how young you are and how in great shape you are. Uh, you, we had the advantage of having a great uh, clubhouse. So you'd have to go and get in the pool or do something um, just to get you ready for the game and then, uh, and then get ready for practice. Get ready for practice. Obviously, you'd find out who you were pitching, maybe visualize a little bit of, of, of who you were going to face and try and remember what, what you've done or what they've done against you. Any, anything different, you guys, from that? I mean, what time are y'all usually at the ballpark? Two. Yeah, I got up a little bit early. I got up about 9 o'clock every day. And um, I didn't do a whole lot. I got up and moved around, and, and we'd go to lunch, and I'd go to the ballpark. A little bit different on the road for me than I was at home. I'd go to the ballpark about 2, 2.30. Um, at, on the road, I would go eat lunch and go straight to the ballpark, get there sometimes 12, 30, 1 o'clock. So – um yeah all day a lot of people think you go on road trips and go sightseeing and all that stuff but it's pretty much hotel to the clubhouse back to the hotel jeff anything different there yeah uh, not, not much different um it is i mean it's a little bit different on the road or at home that was the next question so you're, you're going right into yeah. it so was the road uh, different yeah it was different um we usually stayed up later on the road. I won't say why, um, but uh, can I guess? <laughs> no, no guesses. <laughs> okay, uh, all right. <laughs> but anyway, um, but it was you know on the road. I generally would go get up and go eat. And when I was first in the big leagues, I mean, it was me and Rusty and Darren Oliver. We would on the road. We would pretty much go out to have lunch together every day, and then we'd go to the field early. Um, 
but it was basically like Benji said, get up 11 or 12, get something to eat. Um, at home, I would just kind of, I tried not to think about the game too much because I kind of didn't want to get myself psyched up and get nervous and stuff. So I just go do something to keep my mind off the game, maybe go to the mall or go, you know, I was married. So I do something with my wife and my daughter and stuff to just kind of keep your mind off the game. Cause once you get there, it's, um, it's almost like when you get there at two, the tension starts building all the way up to when you get to seven Oh five and then you're locked in at that point. And, right. you know, I would get to the field and, you know, throw some shorts on, get in the whirlpool, whatever. Uh, I didn't like to hit a lot um, before the games. I kind of hit during BP and stuff. And um, later when I was there for a while, I felt more comfortable. Then I'd get there early and play cards for a couple hours till five minutes before stretch. And you go throw a uni on and go out and stretch and get after it. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So we're, we'll have a part in a little bit where we get into the travel part of it. Now I want to talk about what, what your travel was like. Let me, so I've, I've got credentials. So I'll, I've been in the clubhouse after a game and I see where the players go back at this at the old new ballpark, the one that's behind me here. I thought you wouldn't want to look at my wife's art. So I put that thing behind me, but I know that room at through the clubhouse back to the back, you, after the game, you see players come out of there with a, something to drink and some food or all of that. Was there just one choice? Was it buffet style? What did they have back there for you guys? It was, it was buffet style. Basically, uh, like um, well, when we were there, it first came up with Joe Macko and then Zach Nazian, um, he took Joe's spot. And so pretty much on the homestand, every night there's a different meal catered in. You know, and, and then at that point in time, Black Eyed Pea, uh, barbecue, um, Mexican food, and then on Sunday day games you'd have breakfast, donuts, that kind of stuff. So it's something different every night. I think um, that's where I ate a lot of my my meals was in the clubhouse, especially on the road. Um, and then besides the food, there was everything you could imagine. It was oh, the Spunkmeyer cookies, a big um, pizza thing, ice cream thing, so a lot of stuff. Yeah. So, okay. And so when you're on the road, what was it like? Did they, did, who had the best food on the road when you did that? I know who had the worst. Who? <laughs> I'm not the best. <laughs> who was the worst? The worst? <laughs> to me, the worst in the big leagues was Cleveland. The Cy. But they had good in, banana bread. And the way yeah, and the worst <laughs> in the, and the worst in AAA was Indianapolis. Uh, you couldn't even eat in Indianapolis. The guy would be thawing out the food that he's cooking that night in the shower in a pot when we got there. It's like, I ain't eating this crap. Yeah, that old, the old stadium, right? That was yeah. terrible. That yeah. was terrible. I mean, some of those old places, like, remember how bad Detroit was? Yeah. Uh, Detroit was terrible. I thought, New York, I thought New York had good food. I thought – I like Chicago. Chicago's food. Um, yeah. Days is always the pizza. I'd, I'd eat yeah. like 15 pieces. Oh, I liked, I liked Milwaukee. The brats. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Those you're, talking to, you're talking to a fat guy here. But, well, I'm on, the, <laughs> I'm, what, on, uh, I'm on the downturn, but anyway. Baltimore, Baltimore, I don't know if, if you guys remember, like, it, it, it almost seemed like at least one day out of, the, out of the series, they'd bring in crab cakes that were incredible. Yeah. They and, have those at yeah. the stadium. My wife and I went up there to watch a game at Baltimore, and they had some crab cakes out there. That's some good stuff there. That was my favorite place to go uh, um, in the summertime because I would go and get some of the blue crab. Yeah. And bring it, bring it to the field and eat it at the field before BP. 
Yeah. You guys remember that huge cabinet Seattle used to have with, man, they had every, it was like a candy shop. Yeah. <laughs> it was a huge, like just wood, plywood cabinet. You, it looked like nothing, like a like a tool shed almost. It looked like mm-hmm. you open it up, and it was every damn candy and gum that you could ever think of. It was, yeah. That's why we got cavities. We all have dental. It was a good dental program. <laughs> I know. I'm, I know. Uh, I know the Rays. Tampa Bay had the best beer. They they had Presidente and all the good yeah. imported beers and stuff. And you could also get a haircut there. Remember? Yeah, you get a haircut. <laughs> Yeah. Day games were awesome. The, the, they had a. Do you remember they had like a guy that actually came in and made omelets, however you ordered it. On, that was back games. before they had the chef. Now everybody's got their own chef. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Something special. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Honestly, oh. honestly, honestly, uh, like a a day game, a weekend day game. We would show up at the field. There'd be two boxes of donuts, maybe a bowl of fruit, and you'd eat like two sinkers, two chocolate donuts, <laughs> get a cup of coffee, go get them. Now that's on the road. Yes. Yes. Okay. Benji bailed out there a sec. Let's see. If can... There he is. Back. He's back. There he is. All right, yeah. You just guys just switched on me there. That's all right. I'll now, tell let you me what, ask man, this. If I, if I was a clubhouse manager back in those days, I would have set up like a Bloody Mary uh, bar. <laughs> yeah. now, well, I love Bloody tips, Marys. That would have been good. <laughs> you would have gotten good tips. Now, because y'all tipped them all, right? When you left the clubhouse, you, you tipped yeah. them all. <clears throat> yep. That's gone ask... away. They changed that now. Really? I know it's. You didn't know that, Rojo? Different age. I didn't know that. Yeah, dude, they've screwed those guys. Those guys now get paid. The clubbies now get paid by the team, huh. and the, it comes right out of the players' checks, and they don't uh, tip anymore. I used to pay a hundred bucks a day on the road. Yeah, yeah. that's what I pay. Yep. Holy yep. cow! Wow, I didn't know that either. And of course, why would I? But that's that's yeah, I know how, how they work. Let me ask you this. So on on getaway days, now I've seen it. Um Benji and Jeff, uh now Rusty, you never played at the old stadium, right? The very old one. No, I did not. No. You you didn't do that. Y'all were there. Tell me about getaway day. When you're in the big leagues on getaway day, so you've gone home, you've had to pack, get everything ready to go, because after the game, whether it's day or not, after the game, you're going to be going to the airport to get on a plane to go. Do you handle your luggage from the car or is someone – because I know where you guys parked at the this stadium here where you guys all had that parking. Did, was someone there to get your luggage when you got out or did you run it into the clubhouse? How did that work? <clears throat> we brought it in the clubhouse ourselves. I mean, once we brought it in, uh, um, they pretty much took it from there. Um, they would take it after the game, put it on the truck or whatever, and we'd never see it again or touch it again, honestly, until – the bell boy, the bell boy delivered it to your room. <laughs> delivered it to yeah. your room. Well, I noticed yeah. with the – now, this is this year's team. When I was down there, after the game, we'd go down to try to talk to them or do anything. They all had bags out. I guess that's equipment, throwing cleats and gloves and all of that. And they got them laid out. It looks like someone's probably going to come back and pick that up. But – so you didn't see it till you got to where you were going. You never saw your bag again till you were at the hotel. Right, right. Well, your personal bag, right? Yeah, your personal personal bag. bag, You don't see it till you don't see it till the next the next day you get to the ballpark. Yeah, but the equipment was. I mean, a lot of times they would pack most of your equipment for you too. You know, extra shoes and things like that. I always was particular, and I wanted to pack my gloves because I had that little plastic uh, deal you stick inside your glove or put some balls in there so they don't get smashed. 
Right. You know, and you show up at the and your 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 gamer looks like a <laughs> you know wet newspaper. You're like, oh my goodness. But I was pretty particular on that kind of stuff. But they would put all your unif your road pants, your road jerseys, and things like that would already be packed in your bag. You just had to put your batting gloves and gloves and spikes and stuff like that. Well, so let me ask you this: If you go on a road trip now, you you have a suitcase and you're going and you're going to be gone twelve days on a road trip. I, I have to think that you either had a ton of luggage or did y'all have a laundry service? Someone helped y'all get some clothes clean while you were on the road that y'all could use. Cause it's hard to pack for 15 days or 12 days. Yeah. <laughs> you had one suitcase and yeah, they had, yeah. had laundry service at the hotel. I never used it. I just packed them up and, and just because, stuffed it all in. Yeah. Because at that point there's no weight. I mean, you're not paying for your weight bag. <laughs> your weight, you just stuffed it full. And uh, yeah, so it's uh, you learn what you can live with and what you can live without for sure. Yeah, and, and there's no doubt. I used to travel, I, and I probably traveled about as much as y'all did, but I did it all year. You just did it for six months. But, yeah, yeah I became a professional packer. When me and the wife go anywhere, I can have it done in 10 minutes, and then yeah. she's got to get all her stuff together. I'm ready to go. One of, the, one, of the, one of the issues you run into is every team you play for has different rules as far as dress codes. Like I was about to yeah. ask, was there a uniform for the plane no. rides? Was there a dress code? Definitely. Yeah, there was. I mean, but it was different from team to team. You know, um, you had to wear, uh, you know, basically slacks and a sport coat. You didn't have to wear a tie, but you had to have a nice shirt and basically just look, look professional. And, um, you know, on the road, some teams let you wear jeans. Some teams don't. You'll have to wear khakis or something like that. But I have a really funny story that both of you guys all three of you guys would like if you don't okay. mind me telling you no let's go this so, is there's no time limit here okay so i mean a lot of times uh when you're on a long road trip a week is pretty easy to pack for but when you're on like a three city 10 game road trip 10 days or whatever a lot of times you get i mean you're down to the bare minimum and your clothes at the end of the road trip you know so we're in toronto i'm playing with the rangers and I am down to like my last pair of jeans and they're not very good. They're kind of just little like threads hanging off the bottom. And I was like, all right, we got a day game. I'm going to sneak in, hurry up, take my pants off. So nobody sees me, you know, and get out of there and, and not get in trouble. So I come walking in the training room and there's Will Clark <laughs> already. He already had, um, already had it his extra special coffee working and was riding the bike. And I'd like sneak in half asleep. Like we usually are on a road trip on a day game. We're <laughs> half asleep. And all of a sudden I, I'm in there putting my stuff. Y'all remember that little like uh, deal you put your purse into your uh, wallet and stuff like that in Toronto. Yeah. And lock it. So I walk in there and, and all of a sudden I hear this voice that goes, don't let Johnny out see you in those jeans. And I'm like, Oh my <laughs> And so I just kind of turned around. I kept taking my watch off and stuff. And I'm like, hey, Thrill. I said, uh, you worry about Will Clark and I'll worry about Jeff Fry. We'll be just fine. And he just went, what? He started screaming at me. He was because I just like real calm and collected and said, it. And I just kind of walked out of there, smiled at him. He was so mad at me. <laughs> Okay, what did you guys – okay, so let me ask you this. So on the plane rides – well, I, I want to know. So when you guys would finish a night game and you were getting out that night – so I know day games are different, but on a night game, when you guys you, – you go in, you get ready. From the time the game ends, how long is it before you're on the plane? Is it 
three hours where you're on the plane? No. No. Hour, hour and 20 minutes maybe, yeah. guys? Bus leaves in an hour, and then you're on the plane yeah, 20 minutes later. It, it depended on what city we were in. I mean, you know, some places like Toronto is like an hour or longer yeah. bus ride if it's a night game because you have to fly out of a certain airport. Uh, but or LA could be that way sometimes too. San Diego, where yeah, you have to drive to LAX or something like that. But usually it was probably what do you think? Like forty-five minutes after the game, we're leaving, and then you know thirty minutes or less to the airport usually. Yeah, yeah. That's a, that you you get accustomed to find out how long it is to the airport. That just depends how much you how full your paper bag is yeah. on the way to to the airport or not. Yeah. <laughs> was it, what was in the paper bag Mal malted beverages maybe or soda pop liquids liquids Liqu to stay hydrated Li liquid hi hydration okay you gotta yeah, get hydrated hydration. i know how that is well, uh, let me ask you what you now jeff had a funny story about what he'd do but tell me about plane rides what was the routine what you guys usually do on the plane if it Play wasn't cards. three o'clock in the cards. morning you were asleep i guess early in our career is play cards or uh that's pretty much it. I mean, well, and then uh, Berkey, Berkey playing. Uh, maybe he had the first edition of the Bose stereo pumping in the back. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then I think it, late, later when you got closer, like the 2000s, is guys started having their own like personal uh, DVD players and guys would watch movies. But, uh, you know, playing cards and and just talking and laughing it up. I mean, that was some of the best times that you have other than the outside of the competition right is is where you bond with with your teammates with the the plane rides were awesome yeah it's down playing a little bit the plane rides were fun i mean they were fun. <laughs> yeah they were really they're fun nuts yeah they're nuts I, I i remember playing uh with rusty when i was with the rangers um we played in the b card game so which means uh we were the low stakes card card game where yes. all the Palmero and all these other dudes were playing hundred dollars a hand. We we're playing a dollar a hand. I remember this very vividly because uh, I think it was like me, you, and Darren. I don't remember who else played Rojo, but it was like dollar Annie. And um, you know, you name your own game. So one guy might say, "All right, this round we're playing Ray or this time we're playing uh, Jacks are better." And if uh, you know, if you didn't know the game, you just kind of learn. But Rojo, now Rojo would go i don't know that game i'm sitting out i'm not gonna play this hand we're like whoa it's a dollar i don't care i'm not playing this hand he was, from, he was from alabama man he was That's watching like, those dollars dang. at that time they just gave us seven hundred dollars worth of meal money come on <laughs> well, that, well, hey, but that's also when he got his other nickname right remember culo rojo yeah <laughs> culo rojo yeah but in boston uh, by the latin players when i was in when I was in Boston, um, uh, we would have two card games, okay? And I actually, we would take the seats apart and all the, the flight attendants would get pissed off. So if you couldn't have five or six people playing in a card game and you know how the seats are on an airplane unless you push down one of the middle seats or maybe two of them. And a lot of them didn't go all the way down. So I would bring a socket set. Yeah, you tell uh, me about this, this is funny. And take the bolt out of the seat and push it all the way down. We'd use a cushion for the middle a couple of the uh blankets that they had and we'd had a pristine card table and the problem was <laughs> when we landed we were all uh semi-intoxicated and we didn't want to 
No, um, say it ain't so. Put the put the seat back together, so we just <laughs> left it there, and they were always pissed at us. <laughs> did you usually sit in the same seat? I mean, like when you got on the plane. Now, when y'all played for the Rangers, did they have their own plane at the time? I know they do now. Did they then, or did y'all just – they just uh, would – so you, you just had a – PWA was the plane we flew mostly. Do what now? TWA was, was the airline we flew mostly. TWA? So y'all yeah. would just, just uh, charter – Okay, so I know that. So I noticed this at the clubhouse too, but I wondered about it when uh, on the plane. Or did they take like you guys? We all like our own malted beverages that we like, or certain beers we like, or whatever. In the clubhouse at the ballpark and on the plane, did they ever come to y'all and say, "Hey, what is it you like to drink?" So we make sure we have something for you. Or was that they did? They did. Did they do that? Yep. Yeah, every day. Yeah. Yeah. They they better have too. <laughs> guys not flying yeah. yeah even as a road like when i was playing for the red sox and i came to arlington to play the rangers those guys knew me after the game there was a six pack in a little bucket sitting right next to my locker sitting right next to it huh well because i noticed that the like last year it was chavez with jesse chavez would come out with a corona and somebody'd come out with a bud light and somebody have and i was like either they have a fully stocked bar behind that wall or they they're getting orders or something that's what it so on the plane they did that too they'd make sure on the plane they'd get your order and make sure and the twa would make sure they have it or the yeah. rangers would provide it yeah well the big guys for sure big guys got what they want all the time <laughs> some of those peons had to deal with what what they had but uh yeah so they, they just had it yeah yeah hey, hey, real quick i show up in boston when i went from the rangers to boston after the my first game playing for the Red Sox I said um, where's the beer at and they said oh we're, um, we're not allowed to have beer in the locker room I was like what <laughs> I was like I'm not playing for this team <laughs> no one hey no, I wouldn't, I wonder wouldn't they come here <laughs> no wonder they couldn't win back then telling you dude it was, that was real so I had to like sneak back and where the equipment manager back by the uh where he did the laundry, he had like a little ice chest, so I'd sneak back there. He goes, here you go, Frito. <laughs> okay, so when you guys travel, what was your favorite place to play on the road? Where was the favorite place to play? I'll tell you, I love playing at Yankee Stadium. Just uh, the history of it. The clubhouse wasn't great, but uh, just the history of it. And, and it was just a special place um, for, you know, for me. And, and there's, there's so many great cities. Um, it, like like Seattle, if you go early or late in the year, there's not really much you can do. But if if uh, you go during the summer, it's a it's a beautiful city. It's a great city. It's got great food. That's what um, I've heard. Other than than some of the hills walking, that, that that's <laughs> about the only thing that sucked. But yeah. uh, I mean, there's so, so there's different cities that have different times of the year that I think are 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 uh, better suited for them. Toronto, if you go to Toronto in the in the summer, I mean. Uh, Frida, you can elaborate to that. You played there, but I mean, I remember going to uh, Yorkville uh, when we were in the summer because the weather was perfect. Going mm -hmm. eating outside and, and stuff like that. Hey, what is Yorkville? Is that a restaurant? Is that a? It, it was a part, uh, right? Uh, maybe fifteen minutes from where we stayed, just a cab ride, and it was seemed like very European. I've never been in Europe, but it seemed very European, and 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 uh, <clears throat> had great food and in shops where you could walk around. Because, uh, I mean, that's pretty much back then, that's how we spent our days, is just walking around or going to the mall or, and uh, not really sightseeing, but, but just 
kind of just being out and people watching and sitting around eating. You remember Toronto? You remember one thing about Toronto? They had the Ralph Lauren factory. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's there. right. I couldn't yes. wait to go there, dude. Absolutely. Yeah. I my wore favorite. nothing but Ralph Lauren for about four years, man. I know. <laughs> I, I think my two favorite – I mean, I liked going to Boston as a visiting player. I loved playing there as a, uh, a Red Sox player. But I think my two favorites were probably – I loved going to Camden Yards. Um, that's yeah, a cool stadium. Liked, I liked Jacobs Field. Um, I've been there too. That's pretty neat. Play ping pong in the in the in the in the clubhouse. Absolutely. Where's that? Cleveland. Right by the locker. I remember playing ping pong one time during the game. They said, "Fry, you're pinch hit," and I like took my jacket <laughs> off and threw my ping pong. I was running through the dugout, to, and I was like up, and I like grabbed my helmet, grabbed the bat, went up there and hit a line drive base hit. I came back to the dugout. And Mike Stanley goes, "You're slowly becoming my hero." <laughs> <laughs> Any place rusty for you that was your favorite? Uh, yeah, I, I liked. Uh, believe it or not, I liked Old Detroit. Um, uh, as far as stadiums wow. playing, Old Detroit. I liked the Kingdome. Um, uh, I liked Fenway Park. Fenway Park is probably my favorite place to play. Um, as far as city goes, I like I like Seattle. I like Boston was good. Um, I like Chicago. Um, yeah, I was, that was a good spot. Um, so kind of your major major spots there is were, were my favorites. Yeah, I, so I've gone to a lot of road games. Just my wife and I will go and see it. I think our favorite – we went to the new Yankee Stadium, though. I had I had been to the old Yankee Stadium, which was great uh, to do that. But I think one of our favorites that we really had fun in Baltimore, that was pretty neat. Boston, she's never been. I've been to Boston. In fact, I ran into you on the street in Boston, Rusty, one time. Uh, me and an uncle were up there just watching, and I was like, I think that's Rusty Grill. You turned around and said hello. I know you don't remember that stuff. And you were you were young. That's back when Lee Stevens – was oh, on the team. Yeah, Mr. Big Stuff. Yeah, so I, I, could, I could remember that. Um, so, did you guys, did y'all hang out together when you're on the road, go do stuff together when, uh, when, when you had a little bit of time? It's not like y'all got to the clubhouse relatively early. Yeah, you eat lunch with somebody every day, lunch yeah. or dinner um, every day. But you, you, you spend so much time together. It, it's, uh, you go to lunch, you go to the ballpark together, you come home together, you go eat dinner together. Um, but yeah, but you have your own little, uh, well, there's a team within a team. You have your own little group that, that, um, it's high school all over again, right? Yeah, the young guys kind of hang out with the young guys, the veteran guys are with the veteran, you know, and and because at that point in time, I don't know how it is now, but at that point in time, um, they, they, they hazed you quite a bit and you just kept your head below (laughs) the firing line. Um, (laughs) and so didn't say a word and, and, uh, Roll with your roll with your young boys. Yeah, that's good. Well, I can see how they hate hate Frito. I mean, he's the guy that you getting under everyone's skin right now with the she gone. <laughs> I mean, I'm not. You, you, you're not afraid started. to speak your opinion, are you? <laughs> no, they, they these two guys play with me. They know. I mean, I was always a, kind of a smart aleck kind of guy, and but they knew I was just playing and having fun. I mean, you can't take this game seriously all the time. You got to be able to relax your mind a little bit and have some fun, you know? Absolutely. There's too many people sometimes that worry about what everyone else thinks of them. I told my wife, she 
that's one of the things I tell her. She goes, you're always, I, you always seem more calm than I am because at her job, I said, you know what? If someone doesn't like me, it's on them. I'm not going to lose sleep over it. I'll be just yeah. fine. So were the, tell me your favorite places to eat on the road. Like when you, there were certain restaurants that were really good. Like when I was in Cleveland, there was this place that made this big Reuben sandwich. That's what I remember. But were there certain places where you're like, every time, every time we go to New York, I got to go eat at this place. Or every time in Baltimore, I got to go eat at this place for lunch. There's a lot of them. Yeah. Yeah. What was that place in Anaheim that had the great big, like, uh, spaghetti and chicken uh, fried? What was that? The, 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 the pancakes were. Yeah. Like, three like I forget what it was called. Uh, my favorite restaurant in the big leagues was Ron's of Japan. Yeah. In Chicago. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I love that place. That I'm awesome. from Illinois. I'm going to go there. I wonder if that place is still going. They I have love. this lobster, oh, yeah. uh, this lobster that they put this egg yolk on it that they call it the cardiac sauce yep. or whatever and they stick the shell on top <laughs> the problem is you have to be within 10 minutes of a restroom afterwards because, and yeah. it's kind of a, if you have to walk as opposed to taking a couple minute cab ride i mean you're pushing it for sure <laughs> well, the yeah. cab ride could be dangerous if it gets stuck yes. in traffic it might be a problem <laughs> did, did you guys ever go to um jt hoyt's in minnesota mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. I, I would go, I went there. I don't forget who I went with there the first time. And, uh, after I went the first time, I did not miss a road trip, right. every single road trip. In fact, I went a few years ago. Um, I went to do a game with, uh, uh, MLB network or MLB, uh, uh, with MLB, uh, the prospect game against, uh, Cuba and, and or the, they had the, the pre, world championships they had a game there and i went and did it and i went there and it was incredible and the same waiter okay the same waiter that had been there since like 98 or something or 97 there was still there and he was like the main dog and you know he had he had more stories than probably we do because he got to see all of us drunk at the end of the night (laughs) (laughs) he knew our who knew he knew who we really were that's right. My favorite, yeah. my favorite was Lori's Diner in San Francisco. Lori's Diner. We were in San Francisco last summer. Where is is it? So it's in the city. Yeah, it's downtown near the hotel. It's just yeah. it's just a diner. It's just got pancakes, got everything. Got There's everything. Okay, yeah. that's probably why we went to. We would ask locals where to go. I guess Lori's never came up. We would yeah. always try to find a place that everybody, you know, because everybody can go to. They say go to a certain place. We wanted to go to the locals and go. No, no, go to this place. This is that neat little place to go to. But I didn't. I, we didn't go to Lori's Diner. Now, did you guys? Y'all, y'all. I guess you never really got to sightsee when you were on the road. I guess unless there was an like an off day or something. Some guys played golf, but I, I never did. I mean, I I really never did. I just went to the ballpark and came home. I ate and went, went back to the ballpark. I think that's what most guys did. Now, guys would go out, yeah. but um, no sightseeing. You know. I tell you, I got, I got a story for you guys. So I I had never seen the the um the Statue of Liberty. And there was one time we were landing in New York. We were about to land and something was going on in the runway and we had to take another uh, lap around New York City and they, uh, around Manhattan. And they let us know that, hey, you know, you're coming up on, on the Statue of Liberty is gonna be up, be up here on your right hand side. And uh, so I go and I'm like trying to push my way through to the other side and it's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I've never seen the Statue of Liberty. But uh, the real funny thing is, so I had family come and visit me one, one year. 
and uh it was my cousin and and her two kids and uh so i'm supposed to be like their tour guide because i've been in new york now like 10 times and uh, i was explaining to my nephews like here's the empire state building and blah 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 and just bsing my way through the history of the empire state building right it turned out it was the chrysler building <laughs> all right so they had to do a report later that year on the empire state building and they took they had pictures of the chrysler building and they made this whole big story so they got a they got a d because they were able to blame me i made them fail their whatever test they had but uh yeah so it turned out she my cousin called me and she's like hey you know uh, that trip that we did in New York, and I said, yeah, what's going on? Because remember the Empire State Building you tore? You told him like, yeah. He goes, that's not the Empire State Building. I'm like, what are you talking about? I've been there <laughs> many times. Of course, I know what the Empire State Building. And she sent me a picture of the the uh, I guess the eagles that are <laughs> off the corners of the of the Chrysler Building. I'm like, no, so that's not. <laughs> She's like, no, you need to go next time you're in New York. Go to the Empire State Building so you know what the difference is. I was like, uh, but yeah, so. Now, I know it didn't happen all the time, but were you ever able to, to take your wives or family? Did they ever go on a road trip with you? Well, they have a family trip scheduled every year, usually one family trip, sometimes two where uh, families and kids get to go on the charter flight and things like that. And um, we all really dreaded that trip, to be yeah. quite frank, um, because it was... You had you entertaining know, kinda, to do. Yeah. Well, it was just... It interrupted yes. our normal, interrupted right. our normal routine, you know? And so now we got kids all over the plane running around crazy. And, and now we got to, you know, instead of just sleeping till noon and getting up and going to have lunch with your teammate, now you got to get up with your family, get them all ready to go. And it really messed up the routine. Yeah. I'll tell you what, you know what they did in Anaheim? And I thought this, Fritos uh, are absolutely right, but it was worse the way they did it in Anaheim is they, the families could pick one trip a year. So there could be trips that you're, you're on a road trip and there might be one wife on one trip. There might be three wives on another trip. There might be. So it, it was, I mean, it was, it was bad. It, it wasn't, it wasn't the most ideal. I think when you have one, you kind of wrap your brain around that. That's when, when everybody's going to be on it. Yeah. Um, like I said, it, it, it wasn't good. I mean, we, we, we don't want, I don't want to make it sound like we didn't want to be around our families, but it is, it's a different, it, it's, you have it, a way. Yeah. Yeah. You have a routine. I can see where that would exactly. interrupt it. Now wives did go on trips. Like there wives on a lot of trips, but they would fly together and do their own thing together all day and would not meet you, I mean, meet you there or something. Yeah. Meet yeah. Us there. They wouldn't throw us out of routine. And then, you know, so, so that did happen, but that family trip, it was just a routine buster for sure. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> uh, Okay, uh, let me tell you. Okay, I'm going to ask you this one. You all tell me one of your favorite stories about the other two here. <laughs> either one. Yeah, all of them. Either. Yeah, just tell yeah, me. Yeah, they weren't. They weren't really. No, for uh, you might have a different one for for uh, for Benji than you'd have for Rojo. I, I don't know. For yeah, I don't think me and Benji and Rusty played together at the same time. Did we? Uh, uh, we ever on the same same uh, team at the same time? Uh -uh. I don't think so. You pretty much left after Rusty got called. Up. I, think, I was gone. Were you in the big leagues in '94, Benji, with the Rangers? No, no. '95. Yeah. 
Well, then we were because <laughs> no, that was, was 95. In 95. Yeah. Okay. 95 is when we were together. Okay, I'll tell you a real quick Benji story. Um, it could be after be right baseball, back. too. I'm, I'm going to do, do you right, bro. I'm going <laughs> to do you right, thing. No, I, I remember this is a real quick one. We were, um, we were running in off the field in, the, um, in Arlington. I think it was Arlington. Um, and Benji's playing short. I'm playing second. So we get to the dugout about the, the same time. And Benji goes, hey, dude, you see that girl up there above the dugout? And I was like, no, Benji, I'm paying attention to the game. And I went in the dugout. <laughs> <laughs> you remember that? You remember that? I know you do. Yeah. You may- yeah. For me, uh, um, I'll tell you what. It was uh, I. The first time I got to play with uh, Rusty, and like I said, we had a, it was in Double A, and we had a, to play with him on the team. While we had played together when we were in instructional league, when he used to give me a ride to the ballpark, and, <laughs> and he was the elder statesman, right? Him and and and. Uh, Terry, Terry and, uh, and D Oliver yeah. were kind of the older guys when we went to, <laughs> to instructional league. But, um, I remember being, getting to double A. So like I said, I was, I was going to be extremely excited to get to double A. And as it turns out, I went to the big league and then came back down to double A. And, uh, I knew Rusty was a good hitter and, uh, but it was just impressive to see, uh, the season that he had, uh, and just how he went a, a, about the way he played, um, how he got pissed off. Um, it, it, it was it was a learning. You had to learn to play with Rusty. Um, when to Rusty, approach him? <laughs> yeah. It, yes. Yes. I think that's when they. The, I, I. I don't. I, it had to be one of the Latin guys started calling him culo rojo, and he's like, "What the hell does that mean? I understand rojo. What's culo rojo mean?" And I try to hold it for him for a while until he got really pissed and said, look, man, they're just calling you a red ass. He goes, <laughs> okay, I get that. <laughs> That's it, true. Was, it was awesome to play with him. And, uh, but you know what? It, it, he had fun. He had fun and he had fun in, in, in his way. And we had a lot of fun, especially that year. I think that was, that was one of the best years that I, I, I ever had. It was a great group of guys. Um, but, um, uh, he he. When you saw how intense he was about his craft, um, even at like I said, obviously at a young age, uh, being only in Double A, it was it was it was impressive and it was fun, fun to play with him. It was fun to tease him and make him get a little more rojo. <laughs> oh, thank you, Benji. I didn't, I didn't know you thought that. <laughs> okay, red ass. I mean, Rojo. Uh, well, I got I got the, the the two. Benji kind of alluded to it. I gave Benji a ride every day to instructionally. We used to stop and get a zero bar and a coke every <laughs> single day. All right, so you didn't have to call you as an eighteen year old kid, number one pick, and every single day it was back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Uh, but it was good though. We made we were friends. Uh, I was uh, not about his only friend, but I was the only guy that ever talked to him like besides at the field, you know. Um, yeah. We're in uh, Boston. We get a fight. Fries with the Red Sox. Thinking <laughs> the fight. Lou Frazier charged him out on, I think it was Eric Gunderson. And uh, so the, everybody comes crashing in. And, and uh, you know, Roger Clemens gets up there, and he's got Lou Frazier by the, by the neck. And, and I'm standing outside the pile looking around. <laughs> and Fry's in there trying to get in the middle of the pile. And I just got my shirt and I said, what are you doing, Fry? He said, I want to get on ESPN. 
and I said, yeah, I just stand here. It was, I want to get on ESPN. I'm like, dummy. Was he with the Was he with the Rangers then, or was he with no, Boston? the Red Sox? I said, he was what are you doing. He was with Boston. ESPN. Yeah. <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so which? Hey, now I think Fry is going to claim this one, but was Fry the biggest prankster out of the three of y'all? Uh, yeah. I say yes. Okay, yeah. so I want to know, and it doesn't have to be from either one of y'all three. It could be. Anybody thing, anybody else you saw, what is the biggest prank you ever saw played on somebody? It doesn't have to be one of y'all three or someone else here pulling it off, but what's the best and biggest prank you saw played on someone? And I hope it involves Will Clark, but go ahead. Oh. <laughs> I pulled a prank on Will Clark. What'd you do? Do you remember this, Rojo? Oh, yeah. Jordan, I don't know. Yeah, well, he broke one of my – Will was uh, the sheriff. Okay, so Will always had to monitor uh, how many bats you had in the dugout or things like that. He put a sign in that little area behind the dugout and said only two bats per player and all this. So, and over the course of a homestand, you might bring a couple, you know, five, six bats down there. By the end of the homestand, you got five or six bats in the, in the uh, you know, the bat rack. And so when I was with Boston, Will uh, was playing with the Rangers. I left one of my bats laying there, and he broke it. He stepped on it before the game and like I'm getting ready for the game and I like go grab my bat and I'm like who broke my bat and Will Cordero calls me over he says Juan Gonzalez told me he saw Will Clark break your bat I was like are you serious he <clears throat> stepped on it and broke it I was pissed so I went to Matt Whiteside I said Whitey get me a Will Clark bat so he got me a Will <laughs> Clark bat when we went to Texas I gave it to my friend I said cut this up in 10 pieces with a skill saw he cuts it up. I bring it to the field. I put it in a Reebok shoe box. Then um, the night before was Will Clark giveaway jersey. So I put a Will Clark jersey in there. And Mike Hamilton helped me write this note. You guys know Hambo. And yeah. it said, Will, the night before, Will hit a sack fly to shallow center that the shortstop caught that Goody was so fast. He tagged up and scored on a 180-foot sack fly. And Will Clark was at home <laughs> like this with his fist up in the air. So I saw the note. I wrote on the note, I says, Dear Thrill, thank you for breaking my bat in Boston. There were no more hits left to it anyway. Thought I'd return the favor since you were so excited over your 180-foot sack fly last night. Your friend, <laughs> Jeff Fry, and put it in a shoebox, and Joe Macko delivered it to Will in the locker room. And he looked at it in front of the whole team and threw it in the garbage. And I got to first base three times that night. Oh, my and, God. And Will, was, Will was like, you can leave another bat out there. I'm going to break it next time, too. <laughs> so funny. What about uh, you guys? Anything y'all saw from anybody that you remember? Uh, well, yeah, I got I, – there's a lot of – because everybody can get to me a little bit, so I got a lot of stuff done to me. But the funniest <laughs> thing, the funniest thing I ever thought to me um, – Roger McDowell, um, he right handed pitcher, played with him in 1995. He used to have, this is before internet and all that stuff, he used to have a paper every day, right? And so I'd come in and I'd say, and I was saying in a bigger desk, I said, hey, when you don't, that can I see the sports page? I mean, this was like on a daily occurrence. And um, so one day it was Sunday and I come in, I come in and he's sitting there and uh, I said, hey, Roger, when you get done with that? He said, nope. 
and I, I said, okay. I'm like, what the heck's this problem? So I go to, start to my locker, and the lockers are probably how tall, guys? I don't know, 12, 10 feet tall? Yeah, yeah. eight. Eight feet eight and probably how deep? Yeah. Three I've seen them, yeah. Three or four feet. Four Three feet, or four feet. feet. My locker, everything was out of it, and the entire locker, top to bottom, front to back, was stacked with papers. <laughs> like four <laughs> newspapers. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> what about you, Benji? Anything? Man, there's there's so many. There's so many. It just seemed like every every year there was something being done. Uh, I'll tell you what. Uh, latter part of my career with with Anaheim, there'd be stuff happening, and and uh, it was actually uh, uh, a thing every day. Uh, in in the clubhouse before the meetings and uh, there was was a lot of stuff. There was a lot of stuff, but so many are coming to mind. It's hard to really pick one out. Okay. This is the the question that's going to be the toughest, but I got to ask it. So when when did you guys know, you know what, it's over. This is it. I'm probably going to have to go ahead and hang them up. When was the time you knew? Rusty, you had some injuries. I know that. But uh, when was it? Was there a moment of clarity where you went, you know what, I think this is it? Uh, for me, I wanted to, but my body wouldn't let me. I had nine surgeries in two years, and I mean, I tried, and and um, it just wasn't happening. And, and it's like Jim Sundberg says, you, you know, big leaguer has a cookie, and you either eat it all or you don't. I ate about three quarters of mine because I had I had some years left. And yeah, I, I just my heart wanted to, but my my body just I didn't want to fight it no more. I can't imagine. Yeah. How about you, Frito? Uh, I definitely remember mine. Uh, it was my last year in AAA, <clears throat> 2002. I was playing for uh, Louisville Bats for the, uh, the Reds organization, and my back was hurt all the time, and I was having to get my back adjusted <laughs> during the game two or three times. Um, and, like, the early morning flights, I couldn't even stand up straight. And um, oh, my man. teammates were like, go home, dude. What are you doing? But I stuck it out, and uh, about – Four months into the season, um, the lineup was out, and I was hitting second and playing second base. And, um, and then they activated Ruben Mateo from the DL, who y'all remember Ruben was supposed yeah. to be his can't miss prospect. Oh, yeah. Well, at this, That's at this point, at this point of his career, he wasn't very good, right? He really wasn't even a prospect anymore. But the Reds, uh, uh, Jim Bowden loved Ruben. So, they change the lineup. Um, now I'm hitting seven hole playing left field. I'm standing out in left field. I'm hitting over 300. Um, and now I'm hitting seven hole playing left field. And I was just standing out there. I was like, man, I don't think this is going to happen. So I called Mike Hamilton after the game. I said, and I told him what had happened. I said, I think I'm done, dude. I think I'm ready to come home. He goes, well, go tell him. Next day I showed up at the field. It was a Sunday day game. I was 35, so they usually gave me Sundays off. And I walked in the manager's office, Dave Miley, and I said, you got a minute? He goes, yep. I said, I'm going to the house. He goes, ah, you just got the day off. I said, no, Skip. I said, I'm going to the house today. Thank you for everything, but it's time to go. They, my teammates tried to talk me out. I packed my stuff and left, and that was it. <laughs> That's got to be wow. tough. I know, but it, there's yeah. a time. I, what about you, Benji? Did you just have a moment or a moment of clarity or – yeah, for sure. There, there was, it was a moment. Um, I was 
after I played in the big and played a couple of years in AAA, I went and played in, in the Mexican League, in Summer League. And uh, I actually had played five years. At, by this point, I was 39, about to turn 40 or, or yeah, 39, about to turn 40. And, uh, and I found myself one day in, in the clubhouse back then. I don't remember what the app was, but I could see my son playing. Uh, so my wife would, would, would turn it on kind of like FaceTime type deal. Yeah. And, uh, I'm watching it and I was way more interested in watching him play than even getting myself ready for the game. Um, so it's like 10 minutes before the game and in between innings is I was changing kind of in between innings when they would take the field or come in and with no thought whatsoever about who we were facing, uh, who the pitcher was. I mean, my preparation just went by the wayside and uh, I said, you know what, this is, this is it. It's, it's, I'm done. There's, there's, there's no, it, it started to feel like work, you know? And, and, Oh yeah. Um, and that's, that's the worst thing that I think you could do. I mean, I loved, I loved playing up until that year, that year I started, I was more concerned with other stuff and it really felt like work. And I said, man, this, this is it. I'm done. You know, and for someone like me who didn't play, but I, I traveled a lot for years and I remember the time I wanted to quit traveling it kids. I mean, uh, kids were doing stuff when I was out of town and, you know, I was having to get the little video or do whatever. And it's like, you know, this isn't, it was always fun to travel, even when business, to get to do that but there's a point where you're like God, i'm missing a lot so um yeah. I, I could see that and and i'm i'm glad it's that way I, I hate it i love that it was the kids but when your back's hurting like that and rusty you say nine surgeries i mean i can't imagine the the toll on your body of doing that besides playing what what do you miss the most um uh, for me it's i think these guys will agree it's just the the camaraderie you don't have that uh that camaraderie in the clubhouse and and you know, there's a different uh, different language in the football. Um, there's a different set of rules. Um, anyways, I can't speak for today, but back then, a different set of rules, meaning no, nobody's off limits. Um, it's just fun to go and, and, and be a part of a group of people that you are all pulling for the same thing. You're going to battle with every day. Uh, that's what I miss, uh, all, that, all the peripheral stuff. Me too. Yeah. yeah, that's what I miss. I miss just hanging out with the guys goofing off and just ragging on each other nobody taking it personal and and knowing you know once you know when you start developing those type of relationships and friendships um, and then you go into the game it feels like everybody's pulling for the same cause and things like that and I mean you feel bad when your friend fails or makes a mistake you feel bad for him yeah you know we're all out there trying to do good all the time but obviously in this game you can't do that all the time and so you just uh, it's like these guys are like brother they become like brothers and and i just miss the time in the in the locker room playing cards and talking smack to your buddies and going out and having a beer afterward and just hanging with your boys yeah yeah absolutely i mean it, it's i guess the best way to describe it for somebody that hasn't lived it is picture try and put in uh, 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 having a cookout or a barbecue with only your guy, your closest guy friends. Yeah. Right. And then multiply it by 10, you know, right. because, and it's every day, every it's day, every day that, you know, and you hang out with, you do have your group, but then there's days you go eat with another guy or, or you, you, you have a relationship with some guys during batting practice, 
the guys you hit with, the guys that you take ground balls with, the guys you go to the cage with, the guys you work out with, the guys you go to dinner with. Because there's some guys that maybe don't ha- hang out and drink beer. So you, like for me, I had a different groups. I'd hang out with the Latin guys. I'd hang out with the, the, the American guys. I'd, the guys that played golf, the guys who played card with, the guys you have a beer with. I mean, it was it was a family, you know, it, and, and yeah, you might have if picture yourself being in a, in, in a large family, right. And you do one thing with one brother and you care not to do something with another one, but you, you care about all of them and uh, you'll do anything in the world for, for any one of them. And that's, that's kind of how it is every, every year might be some, a brother you don't really like and you kind of stay away from, but then there's some that you're going to gravitate to. I noticed you pushed away from Jeff there. Did yeah. you want to don't want Yeah. <laughs> I, I made the mistake of I made the mistake as a position player of hanging out with a lot of pitchers. Now the reason that is a mistake is because they play once every five days. So those yeah. other four days, they're getting after it. And when you hang you out with about, those guys so you're all the talking time, about Whitey right now? I'm talking about Whitey and Pav and, and Pav, you know who yeah. I'm talking about. White side. Doug Are you talking about white side? Yeah. Doug Witt. Yep. When you're I've hanging a, out with a starting pitcher and a bullpen catcher, you're in trouble. Yep. I've got a white side story in Richmond, Virginia. I was on business, and uh, he was playing for AAA at w- Wilton Scranton Wilkesbury. Yeah, I guess he's the Phillies back then. And uh, so I was got in for what I was doing. I was going to go to the bar and have a beer. And uh, I had actually gone to the Richmond game, and the uh, Richmond Braves were playing. And Whiteside came in to relieve that game. And I was like, oh, wow, Whiteside. You know, I was a Ranger, grew up a Ranger fan and from Texas. So I went back to the hotel, didn't even think about it, was going down. And Whiteside walks, walks out of this room while I'm walking down the hall and starts walking. And I go, Whiteside? And he turned – he was shocked. He was like, well, yeah. And I said, I'm from Dallas. And he was like, oh. So we sat there and had a couple beers, real nice guy. And then I just remember telling him, you know, they gave you the loss there, and it wasn't his fault. It was actually an error, but they gave him – they said the losing pitcher was Whiteside. He goes, well, that ain't right. He started getting pissed, and I said, hey, man, I'm just a messenger. Don't kill me. I'm just telling you what they said there at the stadium. So talk about what you guys are doing now. Rusty, you've got the Rusty Rusty Greer hitting, Rusty Greer Baseball School. Tell us about that. Yeah, so um, I do uh, – I, I teach defensive stuff. So long story short, I was giving hitting lessons, and – one day I'm in there, I'm cage blind. I've been there five hours and I had a break. I'm looking around, there's instructors everywhere and kids everywhere. And I said, where are we missing a boat with these young men? And I said, it's defense. So I just, I started a, a school where I just teach defensive stuff and, and I learned from some pretty good people. I'm an outfielder by trade, but I spent two years learning to play first base under a guy named Perry Hill. Um, and these guys know Perry. Um, yeah. Probably the best infield instructor. Um, he said, he, he, he was doing a lot of things then before there was Twitter and Instagram and all this stuff. And now you see all these guys who are, are putting it out there, but he was saying the same thing in, in the early nineties, um, maybe just in a little different fashion. He didn't have the platform to, to put it out. Not that he's even that type of person. So I learned to play, I learned to play first base under him. And what I would do is I would go every day. He was our roving guy. He'd come in for five days a month. I would go be his catch guy, so I would get my work done, and he would have the second baseman out, shortstop out, and I'd go be the catch guy for him and listen. And so, um, so I, I teach the defensive side of, of baseball is what I do. Uh, yeah, I saw some of the videos of the kids you work with. I mean, it seems like real, 
really positive what you do. I mean, I, I've tried to teach it myself as a, a, if I could teach anything, it'd be some infield stuff. That's what I played growing up and all of that. And there is just, sometimes there is that lack of fundamentals, especially on the defensive side. It's very important. I mean, if you want right. to be a, it's great. You can hit a ball 400 feet, but uh, you know, if they can't put you on the field somewhere, you better be hitting about 390 or something. I mean, you're a liability. You got to do some stuff on defense. That's for sure. Uh, Fry, I know you are, Jeff, you're a, you're an agent. You got she gone going right now. Tell us about that. Uh, yeah. We heard it a million times. I love this story. I'm a jack of all traits and a master of none. Uh, yeah, I've been <laughs> a sports too. agent for 18 years. Um, also, um, am do some keynote speaking and uh, really, <clears throat> really, um, that's probably my next venture is, is going around and speaking to high schools and colleges and things like that. <clears throat> Started the She Gone kind of just as a joke, and now we're about to start selling She Gone t-shirts, and that's been a lot of fun. Um, before we get done, I'd really like for you to ask these two guys about uh, some of the stuff they're seeing taught just so we can get it, you know, yeah. my perspective isn't the only perspective that's out there because um, I think it's a, I think it's a problem in um, youth sports today with some of the stuff they're teaching kids. And that's kind of, um, just kind of running with this thing and seeing where it goes. Yeah. And it's really funny because like you said, you weren't out there trying to attack any hitting instructor and you weren't trying to, but when someone starts, I'll never forget when the guy said, what's your, you know, where, what are your credentials? <laughs> and I sat there and went, hmm, let's see, 290 hitter and nine years in the big leagues. I'm going to say he outdid me in my two days at a junior college, so I don't know. Maybe he does does that. I do want to hear – now, Benji, you're managing, so um, anything else going in the hopper right now before we come back and talk about what they're learning today? Yeah, um, been managing now uh, over the last six years. I've gone down and managed four seasons. Uh, been pretty fortunate. Uh, been su pretty successful uh, won the championship three out of the four years and uh, when I'm back home I work with uh, with uh, some kids here locally and uh, got a nine-to-five job at uh, uh, our uh, family's company where we do fire protection but uh, I mean obviously still my passion is baseball and 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 I'll always find a way to stay uh, in the game some 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 way shape or form yeah. So, and what Jeff was talking about, have y'all seen some of these wild videos that these uh, yeah. that these yeah. guys do? I mean, look, I'm your guy's age. I'm 52 years old. I'm probably older than everyone here. Well, Jeff's older than me. We'll call him the old guy. But I know when I was growing up, I learned, I see some of this stuff. At my, I was about Jeff's size playing uh, young. I was smaller. Um, there's no way trying to teach me to drive a ball like that is crazy. Um, it was about putting the ball through the zone, putting a barrel on the bat, um, you know, and, and, and making contact. And that's, that's what I was taught. If you put a ball in play, there's better things happen in play than if you're not hitting it. I, I was floored by what they're teaching some of these kids. Benji? Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, – it's gross, man. It's gross. It's, it's uh, one of the things that, that I tell kids – you know, young kids is you have to realize who you are. And these guys are all trying to teach, you know, and it sounds great, you know, 
and they use big words to where kids don't understand. Sometimes we use small words and that we don't understand them as baseball players. Right. Right. Um, they try to use these big words and they, they, I think they brainwash the parents and the kids into saying, okay, well, Hey, that sounds pretty, uh, you know, uh, new. And, and they, you know, you hear launch angle in the big league. So they, Hey, I'm going to teach you how to launch. angle. It, it, it doesn't, it doesn't work for everybody. Right. It doesn't work for everybody. And, uh, I'll give you an example. I, I tell some of the kids sometimes I'm like, Hey, can you dunk a basketball? And they go, no. I'm like, so would you go to the gym and just continue to try and dunk the ball knowing that you can't dunk it? Yeah. Would you go out there for an hour and, and try and do that? And it's like, no, of course not. I'm like, all right, so practice layups, practice free throws. And on the baseball side is learn to hit the ball the other way. Learn to take a pitch inside and turn on that one. So learn to do what, what, what the pitch allows you to do and what are your strengths and work on your, work on your strengths, but then work on your weaknesses and become right. a hitter. Understand this, this game, and I think we'd all agree on, is about understanding situations and being successful in, in those situations, whether it's on defense or whether it's right. on, on hitting, especially hitting. Um, if you don't have a clue on on, on – because all you practice is, is taking a big cut and hitting the ball deep, all right, there has to be somewhat of a two-strike two approach. And the two-strike approach doesn't have to be a physical adjustment. It, it can just simply be a mental adjustment. And that's one of the things that I think is missing is that, that, that you know, like what, what uh, Rusty's doing is doing the things that other people won't do and can't do because it's not, it's not the, what seems to be the moneymaker. Everybody claims to no hitting when it, it, it's, it's more simple than they're making it out to be. When I see some of the videos, uh, and I think Jeff hit on it one day and he said, hey, I don't remember ever using anything other than a baseball bat or something that resembled a baseball bat to hit a ball. Yeah. I mean, you know, nets and – I. I I said, if, if you see a PVC pipe, run the other way. Just put your hand on your pocket and your wallet and run the other way. Um, it's just, it's, it's, it's more, it's more simple than they make it out to be. Um, and some guys have it and some guys don't have it. You know, I, I I'll tell you what, the guy that, that said something, uh, and, and I mean, that guy should be put in jail um, that criticized Jeff's son because his oh son didn't, you know, didn't do. I'm like, hey, Mickey Mantle's kids didn't make the big leagues. Yeah. You know, where's Barry Bonds kids or Ted Williams kids? It's not a it's not all no. DNA, you know? You got to have you got to be born with the uh that that thing that I think all three of us had is that that desire to to want the drive. to drive. Yeah, I have two kids, same mom. I think same dad, <laughs> right? <laughs> one loves baseball and the other one doesn't. Um, yeah, you know, it just it is what it is. Yeah, they got to have a drive for it. I mean, they they really do. I mean, there's you you got talent and you can take that talent and if if you've got enough talent like you guys, but there's got to be drive. How how many guys have you seen that had ungodly talent that maybe they weren't driven to 
to to succeed and just kind of flaked out. Maybe didn't really love it. Uh, that's a it 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 drives me crazy. I think when you're questioning a big leaguer and what he says and who not necessarily calling you out and saying that you're an idiot, he's just make you know having fun or whatever. And then you think that your way is the only way. Really, I mean. You, Jeff, are you the one that said that your best hitting coach was Rudy Harmelio and you don't have any idea what his swing looks like? Yes. <clears throat> I never saw Rudy swing. He, never. He just helped you. They, they would all three probably say he was the best, too. All two of them. Yeah. Both all of two. them. Now, all two. Now that, this could be a whole – I could sit and do a whole podcast just on all of this right here because there, there's certain ways I believe that you hit, and right or wrong – my my personal opinion is, and I'll argue all day long, you cannot teach somebody to hit. You can teach mechanics. I agree with that. You can teach approach, you can teach but you can't teach them to hit. No. Don't care how don't care what kind of don't care, you can't teach them to hit. Secondly, I'm not as as I, I'm I'm a little more open minded than Fry. Like if I, I wanna know what these things are are what are they accomplish what are they doing? Because I believe in hitting that a lot of the stuff that I see being taught is supposed to happen naturally in the swing. So now as a hitter, if I'm having to think about doing certain things that are supposed to happen naturally, when I go to the plate, my mind's clouded. Yep. As a I can't hit with a clouded mind. Um, it's like Tony Gwynn said. He said, my job was to hit the ball as hard as I could every time I went up there, and I didn't care how I got it done. Okay? And Tony Gwynn was pretty good. Now, did he hit a lot of home runs? No, he didn't. Um, but I'm going to say he's probably the best hitter in the game ever. In, uh, in y'all's day and age, for sure. Yeah. And so, so I do believe certain things about the, the mechanics of a swing and the approach of a swing. Um, there's sequences that have to happen. And, but all you're trying to do is put yourself in the best position possible consistently to give yourself a good chance. Now, the problem that I see with all this is everything is done off of a tee. So you give me a month, give me a month and I can create a, a, a Beautiful swing off a tee. Right. I don't care who it is. I, 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 well, I can't say that. You've got to have a little skill, a little athleticism. But the problem is the, the ball is not on a tee. Um, the ball's moving. So you're going to be out front. You're going to do this. You're going to miss hit balls. The whole launch angle thing, I think that's a direct relation of, of the elevation of the ball. Uh, a, a turbo sinker is going to go on the ground where an elevated fastball is going to go in the air. Yeah. People say, well, Christian Yellow, we have this whole Twitter thing about Christian Yellow, he has more, he's more successful this year because he made some adjustment. No, we don't know what the, we don't know. Maybe he saw more high breaking balls. Maybe, yeah. maybe he, maybe he laid off sliders down and in and hit high fastball. We, we don't know. And so there's a lot. Hey, of teach stuff. me how to do that. Yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of stuff that goes into all this stuff that, that, that you can't, teach somebody to hit and there's guys out there that will call me an idiot i, I know there i can teach you to hit no you can't no you, you can either hit or you can't now you can teach the mechanics of the swing but you can't teach somebody to hit and at the end of the day hitting hitting is it's what keeps you in the big leagues yes yeah and i want to i want to add some uh sorry my computer died a second ago that's why i'm in a different place right now yeah. but but what I've is it there yeah they, um these guys are teaching a swing not to hit they're teaching a swing and the swing that they're teaching um is basically they're teaching everybody the same swing okay and if you watch a baseball game um you're not going to see two guys who have the same swing the same setup the same anything in a baseball game so why 
are we teaching everybody to hit with this one particular swing um, and practice on a ball that is not moving? Okay, now I posted some, some uh, videos of me playing during my career. I swung at balls on in the dirt, inside, up in the zone. You can't hit every pitch with the same swing. And I think that's the problem. Like Rusty said, some guys can hit and some guys can't. You know, some guys, everybody can improve a little bit, but you're not going to teach somebody who can't hit a lick to hit. It just doesn't happen. We've seen it. The guys we've played with, you know, there's a reason why some guys are backup catchers. Yeah. Because they can't hit. Yeah. They can play in the yeah. big leagues for a long time as a backup catcher, but you're not turning that guy into an everyday player because he just can't hit enough to be there all the time. And that's, I think, the thing is the, the swing. And I, there's just well, – yeah. and- you know, and, and, and Jeff's right, we're, we're always taught to, to keep your hands up, swing down the But when you really look at the swing, it, it, everybody's got a natural arc to their swing. There's a natural arc that happens. And what for me is, I think when you start manipulating that natural arc, that's when you get the whole hitting guru. <laughs> You know, yeah. certified hitting guru. You know, that's yeah. you start manipulating things. It should be a natural, a natural a swing path on a certain plane. Um, then, then that's when I think you start getting in trouble. Now, I'm not going to say that some of the things that are being done are aren't, aren't good drills and all this stuff. Sure, muscle but, memory. So you know, yeah, a lot of those things are so microscopic in the swing that should be a natural, a natural. Uh, happening when you go to go to hit the ball, um, you know, and if they're not happening naturally, here again, I don't think you take somebody to hit. Yeah, and, <laughs> and, I, and certain I, guys can do it. I'll give you an example. Here, here's a really good example. Do we all agree that that Derek Jeter is a great hitter? Yeah, mm-hmm. he's yeah. a great hitter for all of his career. Why is why isn't anybody trying to hit like Derek Jeter? Because you can't. Yeah. You can take the best 20 hitters in baseball right now and say, hey, change your swing to hit like Derek Jeter. You're going to ruin at least 19 careers mm-hmm. because yeah. you can't do it. You can't, it can't all be the same. And, and he has a very different swing, kind of like Chris Bryant. Chris Bryant, it works for him. But you probably can't find maybe more than one or two guys that have these very, very unique swings and it may, they make it work for them. The, the, the more uh, repetitive swing, as far as not by an individual, by different people, are the swings that are more like Miguel Cabrera or those type of guys where it's more conventional and the swing path is more conventional. I can tell you this year I had, I had guys, and they're at a professional level, right? And I had two guys that worked the same way. One guy um, had been very successful in the summer league, and I had to pull him aside one day, and I show him video and say, look, what you're working on in the cage, unfortunately, is exactly what you're doing on the field, but you're not making the adjustment. All of a sudden, you're, they're, they're just elevating the ball on you, and you can't get the bat head there. He goes, yeah, but, you know, I just had success. I'm like, yeah. You also played at a, at a, at a, on a small field, um, basically – like Colorado, he played in Mexico City, where it's a, uh, you know, in the summer, where it's a small field, uh, the ball flies. So his line drives, his, because of his, the way his swing was, he'd hit top spin line drives and it would hit him out because the guy's 6'4 um, and 240 pounds. But 
all of a sudden he went and played in in a in a big field, and now his top spin line drives that were home runs are top spin outs because he's playing in a big field. I'm like, you have to adjust. You you have to be able to uh, adapt. Whether it's your swing is not versatile at all, yeah. right? And that's kind of like I think um, uh, um, Rusty and both uh, Jeff mentioned. You have to have a versatile swing because you don't take the same exact swing on a pitch down and in as you do on a pitch up and away. And yeah, we saw it with Mike Trout. Mike Trout, they started attacking him up. Not to say that he struggled. He struck out a bunch, and 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 he had to adapt, right? And become more versatile with that pitch, knowing that they're going to try and get him out that way, to where he he his success has always been good. But he started striking out less, and he adapted in some way, shape, or form without affecting his performance on the other pitches. You can't just have a swing that's for one pitch or, or, that, that, or one path. Is, is and then the argument a lot of people make is well, you know, if you have good pitch recognition, you'll lay off that pitch. Brother, it ain't that easy. <laughs> it's just not that easy. Um, and, and that's something else. I, I see these people talking about, we, we also, you know, I've seen things where they say we teach pitch recognition. You can't teach pitch recognition. No. You, you cannot teach pitch recognition. That happens. That's a natural, some guys are better at it than others. It just doesn't happen. Um, and I'll argue all day long on that fact. But you, you can't. I can back watch, it up. <laughs> you watch the, the Tony Gwynn 30-30 or whatever it was, they show some swings of his that were, I mean, spot on, man. I'm talking about beautiful swings. But they showed just as many where he was out front, his rear end was out, he's reaching for a ball. But I tell you what, he doubles down the line. Yep, I saw that. He was the left, you know. And I, can, I can use this as an example, exactly what you're talking about, Rusty. I coached and coached my kids, and we would go to, like, DBAT or one of the, the facilities. And so I'm trying to work with them doing that. And so then I go into one of the cages and turn it up to, I think, 85 or 90. Well, it took me about four pitches. Then I start roping them. And my, they're going, where did you play? What did you do? I said, if the pitch is going to come down the middle, 85 every time, eventually I'll put a barrel on it. Right, I said, yeah. I can just sit right. right there and do that. I said, the problem is when I go up against a pitcher, it's not going to come right here every time. They move it around everywhere. And I said, I can't do that. Right. There's, that's why they're in the big leagues. They know how to pick re pitch recognition do that kind of stuff. I said, you throw a 90 mile an hour at me a hundred times at the same spot. Eventually I can at least put a barrel on it, start hitting it. But, yeah. it, but that's not how it is in a game. That's not how it works coming yeah. from there. So that's why I find it ridiculous. This has been great guys. I really appreciate it. We're going to do one thing with Rusty. I've already done it with you two guys. I call it the home run game. Y'all remember we played this game with y'all. Yep. Uh, the home run game. Rusty, I played baseball from the time I was six till two days in college. And that's a whole story itself. I hit one home run over a fence in my entire life, my junior year of high school. I will always remember it because it's the only ball I ever hit over the fence in, in my life. Do you remember the first ball you ever hit over a fence and how old you were? I do, actually. Okay. Tell us. It was, uh, I was in Abraville, Alabama. Um, I was 11 years old. And I was playing at – oh, I forget the field name. Um, I hit a straightaway center field. It's a little league field, so it wasn't real, real long. Sure, yeah. Big bomb. Yeah. 200-footer. <laughs> <laughs> now, so here's the one that, that, that's the best. So you go from that day till the end of your career. What's the one ball, the one bomb, the moment you made contact, the moment you – could have even been in minor leagues. It could have been whatever. You hit it, you barreled it, and it was a bomb, and you were like, that is the by far and away the biggest bomb I've hit. 
um, it was in the kingdom. Um, uh, Andy Bennis uh, threw it, and I hit it in the third deck in the kingdom. And it was it was like the tenth ball it was ever hit up there. I mean, I literally it was it was on the pull side, obviously down the line, and I literally it's the best ball I ever hit in my life. And when I, you I, everything was right there. Be I honest, started, did you did you watch it? No, 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 I was not a watcher. <laughs> Because back then they would actually throw at you. Yeah, that Jeff, doesn't what, sound like a Judy to me. Bro. Yeah, Jeff, what was yours? You said <laughs> where did you say your biggest one was when you hit it? You said about four forty, uh, wasn't it? Yeah, you know that's they couldn't measure it back then. You know we didn't have those type of things. I'm sure, it went at least that far. Um, no, I hit it in old uh, Milwaukee Stadium, County Stadium off Cal Eldred, and for whatever reason I hit really well off Cal Eldred, and he he through like low to mid nineties, four seamer. He threw it right down the middle and I just got all of it to the left, straight away left, maybe a little bit left center. And it was probably like 20 rows. And I mean, that's a big fly for me. Mine were usually paint scrapers. <laughs> Remind me where yours was, Benji. I had, I had two. Um, uh, I went second deck in Oakland, uh, down left field line. Uh, off with, of, with the uh, Rangers? Yeah, with the Rangers, off of, uh, I think Steve Ontiveros. Uh, I, I remember him it being him and then the other one I don't remember who it was against but it was uh, also at, it was at the ballpark with the Rangers and it was um, over uh, the bullpen the closest uh, over on the center field side of the bullpen so it was a little bit right of center about you know about seven eight rows up over by where uh, so that, that was a pretty good call yeah, that one was actually a line drive, so that was pretty good. Oh, man. That's it. Uh, well, guys, listen, I'm going to wind this thing down. I've kept you guys long enough. We've been here an hour and almost hour and a half at least going here. I really appreciate it. Once again, I want to say thanks to Jeff Fry, Benji Gill, and Rusty Greer. Guys, I appreciate it. Uh, it was a big blast. We'll put this out on YouTube. We're going to have it on the – the podcast will be down later today. Um, I, I can't thank you guys enough for coming on, Rusty. We'll try to get together in a couple weeks. Maybe we'll do just a show. I want to get with you and talk about all your growing up, where you played, everything on that. But like right. I say, yeah, I'd love to do it. Guys, appreciate it so much. Thanks for coming on. It's been the Rangers Nation podcast. Remember to follow us at Twitter, at Rangers Nation pod, at Rangers Nation pod. And like I say at the end of every one of these, or everything I write, nerd out. <laughs>